Welcome to the Bowen Christian Family Centre podcast channel. You're about to hear a message recorded at one of our Sunday gatherings. We pray you are blessed and enjoy this inspiring message. But my message tonight is called What People Want. And this this month, Pastor John and Pastor Alan have, have said that we could preach on whatever God is speaking to us about and says that we should preach on. So I want to speak on what people want. I believe God is an awesome God who, who knows what we want. If you ever look, he, he, he cares. He looks down and he listens to what people want. When you ever look at the story of Moses, when God calls Moses to be a deliverer and he looks at the burning, the burning bush, he says to Moses, he says, I've heard my people's cry. Their cry for help has come up to me. He cared what they wanted. They wanted freedom. In another place, we look at, we look at Abraham. And Abraham... The thing he wanted more than anything else in the world, God gave him wealth, God gave him stuff, he gave him livestock, he gave him a what? He gave him everything he wanted, but the thing he wanted more than anything else in the world was a son. The cry of his heart was, Dad, God, give me a son. God heard him, and he cared. Another story is the story of Gideon. I like the story of Gideon. Gideon is a cool story. Gideon is there, and, and at that time, they're really being oppressed by another country. They're coming in, and they're raiding their land, and they're making their life a misery. And Gideon is there, and he's, he, he's pressing wheat in a wine press. And in that moment, the angel of the Lord, which is some say that's a picture of Jesus before the New Testament, angel of the Lord comes, and he says, he comes and talks to me, he says, and I want to read to you what he says back. It's, it's in Judges 6, verse 11 to 13. It says, The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Joash the Abinonite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of the Midian. He wanted freedom. That was the cry of his heart. He wanted wonders. He wanted miracles. He's saying, God, where are the wonders of old? Man's not great at knowing what other people want. I was not good when I first married Renee at knowing the presents that she liked. I, for one of her birthdays, I, I had seen her watching Faulty Towers. I thought she must love Faulty Towers. So I went and I bought Faulty Towers at the shop. I brought it home, and this was just after Michael Jackson had died, so I bought her a Michael Jackson CD. I knew she'd like it. But the problem was, on the way home, I liked it too much, and I listened to it on the way home. We, on her birthday, I give it to her. She unwraps it. She goes, oh, faulty towels. Thanks. I knew she didn't like it. And then she opens up the CD, the, the wrapping, and there's the CD. She opens up the CD, and she, she looks at it straight away and says, you've listened to this. <laughs> Not very smart. I forgot that I had to take the plastic wrapper off the CD first to listen to it. And then she, she grabbed it, and she looked under it, and she said, Yep, you have, because you can tell when someone's listening to the CD, I think, by the... Not great at knowing what you... As we've gotten on, 
and we've gotten longer and longer, I've learned what she wants when it comes to presents, and I've become better at it. But people aren't great at knowing what people want, but God is awesome at it. God knows what we want. And I believe there's some things that God wants us to have, and God created us for, and He places desires in us, because that's what He wants us to have. And we as a church, we as God's people, I believe we're called to help people get those things as well. We're actually called to help people get what they want. And, if, and here's some here's three things that they are. The first one is community. Proverbs 19, to 22, 19 verse 22 says, What a person desires is unfailing love. I think that's a great thought. What people, what a person desires is unfailing love. People are hungry for community. People are hungry for relationships. They're hungry for unfailing love, unconditional love, love that doesn't judge them, love that just cares for them, love that brings them into into other people's world and doesn't keep them apart. People hunger for relationship. People hunger for community. People hunger to be a part of something. That's why people go and join rugby union clubs. That's why people join cricket clubs. That's why you'll go into a pub and find the same people going to the pub every Friday night or every night of the week. It's not because necessarily that they just want to drink too much. It's because they find community around people that they share a common interest with. And you see that they pour so much money into their own rugby union club and they pour so much things into it because they want to feel loved in a group of people. I want to be loved. You want to be loved. In our friendships, in our marriages, in every relationship we have, we desire unfailing love. All my friends, I've had some great friends. I had a guy named Joey. He was my best mate in high school. And he was a great friend because we always had laughs together. But he could fight. And that's what I like most about it. Because if I was bullied by someone, the bullying stopped. I had another friend named another mate. And him and I, we had such a good time. I was a chaplain. He was a teacher at the school. We'd get up the mischief. We'd do things we shouldn't. But we'd have a great time. We were friends. He, he, he was a guy that I could be myself around. I could be me. And that's what we want. We want to feel safe. We want to feel protected. And we want to be able to be ourselves. I think we want more, than that, more of that than anything else. And, and people out in the world, non-Christians, us as Christians, they hunger for it. And when they see community, when they see people who love each other just for who they are, when they see people who hang out and, and just care for each other, They're attracted to it. And and, uh, there's a time in the Bible that when it was growing really fast, it was in Acts 2. And it says about Acts 2 that people were being added to the church daily. And one of the reasons I think that is, when you read about it at the bottom of Acts 2, is there was a great sense of community. I want to read you those Bible verses that suggest it. It says this. All the believers were together and had everything in common. 
That's Acts 2.44. Acts 2.46 says, Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. So the church grew really fast, really well, and was really healthy in Acts 2. And one of those reasons was community. Not the only reason, but one of them was community. There's some great TV shows. I love TV shows. There's some ones I love. But one of, there's certain TV shows that I've noticed that are super popular. They're always the number one sitcom in America or the number one sitcom in Australia. Stuff like that 70s show. Friends. Big Bang Theory. And I noticed they've all got one thing in common. They're a group of friends that live life and they go through ups and downs together. They share each other's struggles. Uh, my favorite show, that 70s show, it's now finished. It had 12 seasons, and it's had its last ever episode. It may take me about four or five years to actually watch that last episode, because I hate last episodes. I cry. I cried at the end of The Office. I cried at the end of that 70s show. And there's other ones too, Parenthood and stuff like that. I cry at endings. I don't like endings. And this one will probably be even worse. So it'll take me a long time to build to it. But there's some things that are really cool about it. It starts off with five friends. They're massive nerds. One of them's got huge social issues. He can't even stay in, you know, he, he's just so bad. He's like, he's got OCD. He's got AD. He's got every letter, you, you name it, he's got it. There's another guy that can't even talk to girls. Like he's just, he's got what, he's like a mute when he's around girls. He can't talk to them. There's another guy that's just like a weirdo, sleazy fella. And and they're all these strange guys. But the thing I love about the show is they grow together. They, They go through struggles. They go through hurts together. They see each other get married. They celebrate together. And you know what? That group doesn't just stay five people. It expands. It grows. Two more are added. Then they've got this big group of outside friends. And I think this is an amazing picture for life groups. When I see that, when I watch the show, I see an organic life group. People who get together, they eat together, they speak together, they share their hurts and their pains with each other, their dark secrets with each other. They don't find judgment in that circle of friends. And then it grows and it builds and they, they invite other people into their world because those other people, are, are they're, they're attracted to what these people have got and they want to be part of it. And their lives change for the better. We all want community. And there's some things that stop us from going after that community hurt. People hurt us. So we decide, you know what, I'm not going to connect with people anymore. Because I I just can't handle being hurt again. Someone offends us. And we go, you know what? I I just can't handle being offended again. And and we get get bitter and we get angry. And and sometimes that bitter and anger from being offended actually stops us from being able to connect with other people. Because other people don't want to be around someone who's angry and bitter. Sometimes we feel used. We come into church life and, and we say to God, God, use me. And then we get used and we get angry at God. These things happen, and they've all happened to me. There's been times when people have hurt me in church, and I've just wanted to punch them in the throat. I've woken up at 2 o'clock in the morning at night going, I should have said that back to him. 
she would have elbowed him in the face. Now, this is true. I wake up angry in the middle of the night. But I've got to say, God, I forgive them because I know it's not good for me. Because if I allow these things to come into my life and grab root, the only people that's going to hurt me, it's going to stop me from building community with other people. It's going to stop me from being connected to one of the great things that God has in store for me, and that's community and the love of other people. Because it's other people that have enabled me to get me to where I am today. And without those people in my life who have loved on me, cared for me, believed in me, spoke great words over me, when I failed and I went to them and I told them, they didn't kick me out and say, you've got no future, I'm going to walk this with you, I'm going to be praying for you, I still believe in you. This is why we want to be around other people. I love David, King David. King David is this amazing guy. He's got an amazing call on his life. But Saul doesn't like him. Saul's scared that he's going to lose the, lose the kingdom. So he, so he goes after David and tries to kill him. But David goes out into the wilderness. And it says that 400 people came to him who were all disenchanted and angry and broken and hurting. They were, had lives messed up. But the thing I love most about it, because they became part of a community, later on in the story, you hear about how they, they're David's mighty men. They went from being broken and disenchanted to becoming winners because they were willing to become part of a community. That's what community does for us. So if you're willing to be someone who draws people into community, I believe you'll never be without promotion. You'll never be without opportunity. Because people love people who create community. Let's be people who create community. It'll change our church. It'll change our town. It'll change our community. Come on. The second thing is this. People want their dreams. Acts 2.17 says this. In the last days, God says, I'll pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Ephesians 3.20.21 says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. I think it's cool. God wants us to be people that help other people achieve their dreams. God's called us to be people that draw out and help people give birth to the dreams that God's placed in their heart. I want you to think right now, what is the dream God's placed in your life? Just think about it right now. What's a, God, what's a dream God's given you? Just think about it, putting your head right there. If you have a look in the Bible, there's a guy called Joseph, and Joseph is given a dream by God that his brothers and sisters and his mum and dad had bowed down and worshipped them. Next minute he's in a ditch because they're trying to, his brothers are trying to kill him because they're jealous of him. Next minute he's being sold into slavery. Then he's living in Potiphar's house where he's accused of doing something he never did. Next minute he's in prison. He keeps, he's being forgotten about. But then he becomes the prime minister of Egypt. When you look at the story, I, I noticed something, that God always brought someone into his life that enabled him to get to the next level so he could achieve his dream. His dad. So if you read the story, his dad gave him a coat that he didn't give any other brother. He showed him favor. See, God will bring people into your life that will show you favor so that you can get, get towards your dream. God will bring into your life people who can teach you how to govern things. So if you're called to be prime minister, he brought... 
Potiphar into his life, and Potiphar taught him how to govern his house. Today it's governing the house, tomorrow it's governing Egypt. He's then governing the prison. Today it's governing the prison, tomorrow it's governing Egypt. God will bring the right people into your life to achieve the dreams God's got for you. But the dream that God gives you isn't just about you. You, The dream God gives you is so that you can help others achieve their dreams. If I have a look at Paul, I think Paul's a great illustration of this. Paul is this guy who God speaks to on the road to Damascus, and he gives him a dream and a purpose for his life. And this guy called Barnabas comes along. And the, when you read the story, all the other disciples are scared of him because they say, isn't this the guy that was putting us all to death not five minutes ago? But the story says Barnabas went and got him and brought him towards the disciples and told them and said, hey, this is God doing amazing miracles and people are being turned to Jesus because of him. God brought someone into his life. Then they want to kill Paul. All the religious people want to kill him and put him to death. So then the, the church decides, hey, let's send him away to another country so that then we're safe. If you read the story, he's in another country. And the Bible says, and this is, wouldn't this be sad if you were sent away and the Bible said this about you? The church experienced a time of peace and rest. But then, if you read the story a bit longer... Bible says that Barnabas one day goes and gets Paul and brings him back and releases him back into ministry. God will always bring you people. If you have, then Paul does it for someone else. Then he comes, one day he comes across this guy named Timothy. And Timothy's this, Timothy's this guy. The Bible says that everyone that knew him spoke well of him, but Timothy saw a call of God on his life, and Timothy said, you know what, I'm going, to, I'm, I'm, going to, I'm going to take you with me. And then you read the story further and further along, and next minute he's pastoring his own church. Why don't you think right now, who are the people in your life that God could use you to birth their dreams in their life? Who are they? I know God's given me dreams about being a pastor. But that dream's not about me, it's about other people. God's given me a dream about leading a church one day. That dream's not about me, it's about other people being set free and healed. Maybe God's given you a dream about being a mum and dad, and, and you know it's not just about you. Maybe God's given you a dream about being a school teacher. That dream's not just about you. Maybe God's given you a dream about being able to raise finances for the kingdom of God. That's not just a dream for you. It's so other people can be set free and healed. Maybe God's given you a dream to be prime minister, or just a politician, or, or a counselor, or whatever that dream is. God's given us all something so that that other people's dreams can come to life. Martin Luther King, we all know this speech, I have a dream that a man shall not be judged by the color of his skin, but by the character they possess. That's a great dream. And if it comes about, it's going to mean freedom for so many people. And then you have a look, almost 50 years later, there's an African-American president in the USA, his dream positioned someone else for success. That Barack Obama would have at some point in his life had a dream to be president. And the reason he was able to do it is because Martin Luther King had a dream. God spoke to 
Renee and I about what Hezekiah would be when he grows up. So in my life, my job is to try to impart as much as I can into him, whatever God's given me, and raise him the best I can, so that one day when God gives him that same dream, and I don't mention it in front of people so that people can't put pressure on him because I want him to get that dream before other people make him get that dream. So one day he's going to get the same dream God's given me. And you know what? I've done my job. Because my job is to bring birth to other people's dreams. That's what we're all called to do. King Saul is famous for trying to put David to death before he could be king. Imagine, because we all know the story, there's that time when there, there, he sees those, Saul sees those ladies, they're singing the song. Saul, I'll see if I can sing it. Saul has killed his thousands, but David his tens of thousands. I'm going on X Factor soon. Saul gets insecure. He says, what more can he have but the kingdom? But imagine if Saul's heart was, you know what? God's placed him to be king, so I'm going to invest as much as I can into that man so that one day he'll be the best king he can be. Then instead of us speaking about him in the eyes of his insecure and his, look at all the things he did wrong, we might be speaking about him at conferences and stuff about this is how you raise up kings. This is how you raise up leaders. We can all choose. What do we want to do? Do we want to be people that help others achieve their dreams? Or are we going to be people who just worry about our own dream? Because at some point in our Christian life, we've got to decide, I'm no longer just about me, it's about others. Number three. We all want life. John 10.10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and life to the full. We all want life. You see it around young people. You see it in young adults, young business people. They want life, but they think life is going out and getting drunk. They think life is going out and doing crazy things on a Friday night. Because we all have this desire inside of us that we want to have a life. We want to do something great. There's a hunger and a passion that I believe God has placed in every single person in the world, whether you're a Christian or not, that we want to live a life that's an adventure. That's why why I believe people read books like Lord of the Rings. story about a guy named Frodo Baggins who travels through Middle Earth and takes the one ring to Mordor. And he has all these adventures along the way. That's why people read the Narnia Chronicles. That's why people read books like Harry Potter. Because they have the desire to live an adventurous life. That's why people read comic books. And they love superheroes. That's why people for for generations have dressed up as superheroes. Because they see Superman, and they see Wolverine, they see the Incredible Hulk, they see Thor, they see all these guys being heroes, and they want to be heroes too. I love movies. We know. I love Lincoln. The story about Abraham Lincoln. I watched that, and I've got to work myself up to that because I cry from the beginning to the end. 
It's not very masculine, is it, Uncle Gordon? But I, I, I cry from the beginning to the end. It's okay to be emotional. The second, one of the other movies I like is that one that Pastor John put on this morning. It was called Darkest Hour about Winston Churchill. I cried in that too. I watched it twice within four days. I loved it so much. And the speech, and, and I'm glad Pastor John stopped that video where it did because I plan to use that one as well, but it's going to go longer. But these kind of movies make me emotional and they make me sad. But I think it's because deep inside of me, there's a hunger to make a difference in my world. And I believe the same hunger is in every single person in this entire room. And the cool thing is when you read the Bible, that's exactly what God does. God grabs an ordinary life. Whenever God came in contact with someone, whenever someone felt God's presence or God spoke to them, what happened was he launched their life into an adventure. You have a look at Gideon, just a guy threshing the wheat, threshing the wheat. Now he's about to go in and rescue an entire nation with just 300 men. If you have a look at Elijah, Elijah's just a normal guy that, that God says, go and tell Ahab it's not going to rain for three years, and then it's, and then it's not going to rain again until you say so. So he goes and tells him, then he says, now I want you to go and live in the Kirith Ravine, where you're going to be fed by ravens, and, and you're going to have to drink the water out of the brook. And then he walks up on top of a mountain, and he calls fire down from heaven, and a whole generation turns back to God. Then you got the story of Samuel, where God speaks to Samuel. I love Samuel's life. He, he got to live every day in the presence of God. And then he went out and he raised kings and he anointed kings. All because God spoke into their life. Abraham lived an adventurous life. Peter, in the Bible, was a fisherman. And Peter... Is, look, is, is with bending the nets and looking after the nets. And Jesus comes down and says, follow me. And Peter's life was never the same again. Story after story. One of the greatest adventures is a time when Jesus calls him out of the boat and he gets to walk on the water. And then he's the guy that Jesus used to bring the first Gentile to him. To show the church that God has saved the Gentiles as well as the Jews. All through the Bible. And, and, and adventure after adventure. It was... Peter rescued from a prison because God takes hold of a life and makes it an adventure. If I could get the band up, please. I don't know about you, but there's, there's times in my life where I feel as though my life's not an adventure, where things seem to get mundane where things just seem to get into a routine and I, and I feel like, and I, and I sometimes go to God and I, I, I say to him, God, this isn't as fun as I'd like it to be. And I, and I think the answer to that is connecting with Jesus. Because nothing's mundane when we're aware of God's presence whether it's at work, at home. Wherever Jesus went, adventures followed. People were healed. People were set free. People were lowered down into the roof 
Amazing things took place wherever Jesus went. When we're aware of what Jesus is doing, our life becomes an adventure. Maybe today, you're a little bit like I have been in my life at times. You feel dry. You feel down. Maybe you feel depressed. Maybe you're uncertain. Maybe fears have crept into your life. There's a picture of the anointing and the anointing being oil in the Bible. So when you see oil in the Bible, it's representative of the anointing. Bible talks about, there's a Bible verse says, the anointing breaks the yoke. So when we're down, when we're hurting. In the Old Testament, when things were dry, when things were cracked, when things were lacked moisture, one of the things they did was they grabbed oil and they rubbed it in to whatever it was. And it gave back its life. It gave it back its vibrancy. If you if you know Torres Strait Islanders or South Sea Islanders, sometimes they get cracked skin or they get dry skin and, and you rub moisture into it to give it back life. We all get, you know, we get dry skin and we rub creams into it. Tonight I believe as I was preparing, I, I believe that God wants to give life back to us tonight. Because a Christian life is not meant to be walked, boring, dreamless, lacking adventure. It's supposed to be a great life that's not endured, but experienced. So I thought tonight, why don't we all stand? One of the things Jesus said was, if you want to gain life, you have to lay it down. And I just want to encourage you, as we worship God for a little bit tonight, God's already started to do some things tonight, but let's just spend some time in God's presence, allowing the anointing, allowing His presence to come and just rest on us. To breathe new life into the dryness. To give peace in the turmoil. To give a promise for the future. Sometimes we have uncertainty, but the thing that can change that is a promise from God. Something we can stand on. Thank you for tuning in to Bowen Christian Family Centre's podcast channel. For any more information on our church, the preaching, or Jesus and Christianity, feel free to check out our church website, www.withsundayacc.com.au.